Welcome to Hub City Homers. This is episode number 66, and it's me, Jack, along with Reed again tonight. Uh, it's just going to be us two holding it down again this week. Uh, next week, hopefully, I think we're slated to have the full crew of four back, uh, as far as I know. Um, this week is going to be uh, a pretty high... Uh, high-spirited podcast we got two wins to talk about we have a win to talk about for the first time in 2023 but we don't just have one we have two uh we're going to talk about tech's win in baton rouge uh against lsu and then of course we will touch on uh the comeback uh against iowa state uh from this past monday We'll also briefly touch on Baylor. Uh, We won't have that much to say on them, mostly because we've already played them in Lubbock. uh, Lost by seven points. Uh, That was back during the start of our our losing streak. So um, we'll get to that when we get to it. Bottom line, Baylor's played five games. or Our game was the fifth game of five that they played. And uh, the last five have been uh, single-digit basketball games, single-digit point games for them. So uh, I think they're beatable, um, but uh, we have to guard the three-point line, essentially. We'll get into it. Um, First, though, we have to touch on victories. Um, Saturday, uh, Tech went down to Baton Rouge and won. It was pretty nice to see. They played a really good game. on the offensive side of everything, uh, shot a lot better than uh, I've seen this team shoot in quite a while. Um, shot 46% from the field, 61% from three, 71% from the line, had 15 offensive rebounds, uh, 36 rebounds total, 14 assists made, or 14 assists on 25 made field goals. Um, Pretty good uh, assist to field goal ratio there. Um, also, only turned the ball over eleven times. Uh, meanwhile, forced LSU into ten turnovers, um, nine of those being steals. Uh, we'll get into all that. Um, Reed, we saw a lot of good things from this team on Saturday in Baton Rouge. Um, I think one of the main things, obviously, that we all have touched on um, were the big-time minutes from Kerwin Walton and Elijah Fisher in this one. Um, Fisher really didn't jump out on the stat sheet that much, other than his nine rebounds. He had five points, um, but he logged 22 minutes, which was, uh, they were 22 huge minutes, Um Walton had 21 minutes. Uh, he went five of six from deep, uh, and he had another uh, two pointer, and that was good for 17 points. Um, this is a this was huge because uh, this is a game where you're missing Pop Isaacs and and uh, Fardaz Amac. Um, from everything that I've seen, it could be this way for a little bit. Um, I've seen day to day, but I've also seen week to week from some people. Um, not sure what is true here because we really haven't had a good gra- uh, grasp on time constraints for injuries from this team this year. Um, so Reed, 
uh, I'll start this off by asking you, um, you know, what did you see as more of a, um, what caught your eye more? Was it, was it Walton 17 or was it Elijah Fisher kind of getting in the dirty areas and playing those 22 minutes, uh, that really started off, uh, the campaign for the, uh, this win? Yeah, I mean, they they both popped off um, kind of off the screen to me, uh, primarily because that was the most I'd seen both of them in a game together uh, really all year, to be honest with you. Um, and, you know, kind of coming into the season, I expected both of them to have a prominent role with the background that both of them has had. Uh, one with, with Kern Walton playing at UNC and then uh, the highly touted freshman Elijah Fisher is one of the best recruits we've ever had in history. Um, you know, I expected both of them to come in and, you know, maybe not necessarily lead your team in points or anything, but at least play some consistent heavy minutes and uh, give you consistent time every single game. And <clears throat> up until this point, it really hadn't been the case. So um, it was good to kind of see them finally fit in the roles I kind of expected them to be in uh, from the get-go, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, Kerwin Cur- was lighting it up from outside. Every time he was touching it, he was throwing it in. Uh, which is good to see because we, you know, except for you know, Moretti, we really haven't had a guy like that that can uh, just snipe from the three-point line. So uh, if we're able to find somebody else like that and make teams respect us from the outside, it's going to make it a lot easier to uh, score the ball offensively because then that opens this stuff up and down low and up top for guys to do ISO and stuff like that. So, But, uh, yeah, uh, I, I was good to see that, uh, that Kerwin is in there doing the – or not Kerwin, sorry – uh, Elijah was in there doing some of the dirty work because I think he's found out in order for him to touch the floor, he's going to have to do some stuff that he's uh, probably not accustomed to. Um, you know, in high school and stuff, I'm sure he was just accustomed to being the, one of the better guys on the floor. So no matter what he was doing, he was going to play. But uh, he got to this level, he, he learned that it's, it's going to take a little bit more effort than that to um, earn some minutes on the floor. So um, I'm hoping that they're both able to continue that. Uh, they dipped a little bit. Um, in terms of their production against Iowa State. But um, when we, we lost those two in terms of production, another guy stepped up and, uh, and made their presence known. So um, it kind of feels like we're, we're finally starting to gel as a team. Uh, hopefully Mark Adams has kind of figured out his, his roles with guys, and um, hopefully we're starting to get on a roll. And um, those two guys are hopefully going to be part of the puzzle moving forward. Yeah, I agree. Um also, I mean, we can't talk about this game without talking about uh, Kevin O'Banner stepping up. Uh, you know, he was 8 of 15 from the floor, 3 of 6 from deep, 3 of 5 from the line, good for 22 points. Um, basically, he was he was the go-to guy. Uh, when we needed points uh, in this one, uh, he, he was there and he was putting up points. Um, it's kind of nice to see him there. I feel like in... This season, you know, we've kind of been um, we've been critical of him at times, uh, mostly just because he's kind of um, hasn't been like loudly in the stat sheet, and, and like I think the twenty two points is kind of what we expected from him all along. Um, you know, uh, not to get jump ahead, but you know, he had twenty four against Iowa State, so. Um, you know, back-to-back games over 20 points. That's kind of what we all expected from him in pretty much every game. Don't know if that's really a fair um, 
you know, a fair assumption that he would have 20 in every game, but uh, it's kind of what the team needed um, without really another big time, big time, proven big time scorer, I should say, uh, able to step up. Uh, It's nice to see O'Banner producing. Um, Davion Harmon also um, had a good game. He had, uh, he's five of 10 from the floor, two of two from deep, two of two from the line, 14 points. Um, I want to talk about something with you, though, Reed, uh, for Davion Harmon, um, and it's the eight assists. Um, he had some really sweet dimes in this game, and um, we knew that Davion Harmon could pretty much run the offense, be the point guard. A lot of people, including us, have been critical of him at times for over-dribbling um, not necessarily ball hogging it, but, um, you know, kind of dribbling and kind of stymieing our own offense at times. Um, against LSU, it looked really good. His, his, his offensive spurts were really good. Um, there are just some times where, uh, you know, you and I have talked about it. We've talked about it as a group that, um, sometimes the bad outweighs the good. Um, this was not one of those times, however, um, I think those eight assists were some of the, some of the best and more important assists that Tech has had in games this season. Um, just talk about Davion Harmon a bit, you know, uh, other, I guess the assists, uh, were you as impressed by him as I was, I guess is my question because I was, I was pretty impressed with some of the passes that he made on Saturday. Yeah, I I definitely was as well. It seemed like he kind of. Uh, fit into that veteran mold when it came down the stretch because, um, you know, I, I feel like there was a – it's kind of hard to remember a specific time period in the game. But, um, I mean, we were, we were leading the second half, and <clears throat> there was a point in time where LSU was kind of making a run, uh, and it kind of felt like down in the pit of your stomach, you're like, oh, no, here comes the uh, second half collapse again kind of thing. So, um, and we kind of weathered that storm and ended up kind of breaking it open again down the stretch. And, I think he was definitely one of the reasons we were able to keep that lead and uh, uh, maintain for a win. Um, he was he was able to distribute the ball the way we needed him to. Uh, I think he's he's lacked in that department at times, like you mentioned. Um, he hadn't, hadn't been terrible necessarily, but uh, for for a lead point guard, you need somebody to kind of distribute the ball and keep the offense moving, um, especially with how slow the offense is that we play most of the time. Um, it's got to ball's got to keep moving; can't stick in anybody's hands and. Uh, you know, that's been issues, obviously, in the past. So um, it was good to see him keep the ball moving and, you know, kind of seemed like he he wasn't trying to take matters into his own hands the whole time. So, um, you know, across the board, I think that was one of his better games. Uh, you know, he may not have led the team in scoring or anything necessarily, but uh, those eight assists were, were a lot bigger than people probably realize. Yeah, I agree. Um, it, it, to me, it I, I think what you said earlier was a big, was very accurate, and it, it seems like this team is starting to gel. I think each person is really starting to. Um, I think these guys have known their role for a while, each of them, but I think for the first time, I think you could say they're really starting to embrace uh, their own role. I think they're um, really starting to actually play into their own respective roles, and I think that that is what. Um, leads to these leads to these wins, and I think that you can only c- continue to get better um, 
while playing to help the team and playing within yourself. Um, I also want to talk about um, some the you know you and I have talked about um, th- how we'd like to see more people get in uh, off the bench in these games, and I think this was a game that you saw that and it that it worked. Um, you saw Damari and Williams get 13 minutes in this one, second most off the bench. Um, Lamar Washington had seven minutes. KJ Allen had six. Robert Jennings had six. I think this is, um, this is a game where you got pretty much almost your entire bench in and they all for lack of maybe one or two of them, they all had a positive impact on this game. Um, I think that um, I think that Demarion Williams has a game that really fits the offense as well. Um, and I think that with his performance in this one uh, against LSU and with his performance against uh, Iowa State, you know he had almost twenty minutes in that game. Also. Um, do you see his stock rising, or uh, do you think we can continue to expect more minutes for Demarion Williams coming off the bench in these uh, next couple games? Yeah, I definitely think you've got to, especially with how he closed against Iowa State. Um, I mean, he was one of the five guys that kind of rode that that OT period in the last portion of uh, of regulation that that uh, Adams went with. So. Um, I think that's a good sign to kind of tell you he's he's going to get some more minutes down uh, down the back end of the Big Twelve. Um, I mean he's he's played a lot of minutes in, in portions of the year. Um, I think there was a p- period of time where he started a few games, maybe when Pop was out earlier in the year with that concussion. I don't remember now, but uh, I mean he's he's definitely uh, done some positive things for us. He's he's a little bit um, I don't want to say liability because that's too strong of a word, but um, I, I do think he can be a loose cannon sometimes uh, with certain plays. Like like when he, had, he came up with that steal against Iowa State and dribbled up the floor and gave up a steal right back to Iowa State, stuff like that. Um, I think he just needs to be thinking sharper on some stuff. But that's not to say he didn't, you know, hadn't earned more minutes because that doesn't think he has. But I think that just goes along with Kerwin and, um, um, and uh, um, gosh, I forgot his name, uh, Elijah as well as uh, a couple other guys off the bench. I, I, I think most of the guys on the bench have played a lot better the last week and a half, two weeks. Um, I, I think part of that's the two guys out. You got injured, Pop and and uh, Fardaz. Obviously, you don't want to see guys get hurt, but it's kind of helped some other guys blossom into some of the roles that we uh, kind of anticipated them being in. Um you know, obviously, too, I don't, I'm not sure what's going on with Daniel Baccio either. Um, I haven't heard anything about his status, but I, I don't – correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I don't think he even touched the floor in the second half against Iowa State. So I don't know if something's wrong with him or if Adams uh, just he, he played. He played the first minute, and they said that his knee was bothering him. Okay. So yeah. um, his, knees, his knee has been bothering him for a little bit, but it's gotten to the – worst point it had in that second half against Iowa State, which is why he didn't touch the floor after I think it was about the 19-minute mark. He, they took him out quick, and he uh, he didn't go back in. You're correct. Yeah. Yeah, I knew I, I knew I hadn't seen him. I wasn't sure what had happened, but, um, I mean, I think that's just going to 
kind of even pushed the mold more into uh, having to play small ball with O'Banner at the five and having Jennings as his backup. I mean, it's it's probably going to have to stay that way for a while um, if Bacho's not healthy. Um, I mean, even then, uh, Bacho, since he lost all that weight, just hasn't been the same. You know, obviously he's been he's been getting pushed around a little bit down low more than uh, he was at the beginning of the year by by a lot, I think, in my opinion. Um, and I, I do probably so, solely put that on him being sick and losing. I think they've said like 15 to 20 pounds, and uh, that's, that's going to hurt a big man down low against some guys in the Big 12. So uh, I think that, that fits that mold. And, yeah, to get back to your point, I definitely think – Demarian's earned some minutes, uh, some more minutes, but some other guys on the bench have earned more minutes as well. So, I think we've got more of a more of a full rotation now than we ever had. I like what you said, and I, and I think that that's pretty. It's pretty spot on. Uh, I think you're going to see, in my personal opinion, like I said, we'll get to the Iowa State game here in just a second. But um, I, I think that since we're knowing that Bacho's not full go. Um, I agree. He he's been getting pushed around big time lately. Um, I don't really know if that'll be, that would be the case against Baylor. I mean, other than Flo Thamba, they really. I don't really. Other than Jalen Bridges, I don't really think that they have that much of a lower presence. Um, but like I said, uh, when when you get into other games. Uh, you know, Texel has to play Oklahoma State twice, and Caleb Boone's been playing out of his mind. He played really well last night against Oklahoma. Um, there is just a lot of a lot of stuff that uh, a lot of different scenarios, but I I do think that we're going to start seeing a lot more Kevin O'Banner at the five. Um, I think Robert Jennings is going to have a lot more minutes coming his way as well, um, because this proves a perfect uh, transition into the largest comeback in school history. Um, Tech was down 23 points with 12 minutes and 37 seconds left and pushed it to overtime and eventually won in overtime by a final score of 80 to 77. Tech scored 49 points in the second half to Iowa State's 32 Iowa State obviously <clears throat> outpacing Tech in the first half by 17 uh, points, 39-22. to 22. Uh, Almost identical score from the first half that Tech played in Ames when Iowa State was up 39-20. to 20. Um, This one was quite a bit different in terms of the way it ended um, than the game in Ames. Uh, I definitely think at one point we were selling it off i definitely thought it was i'll be honest um i i thought this one was over after the first play of the second half when they came out and they drilled a three in the corner when caleb grill drilled a three in the corner over there i said this is done i said they didn't make any halftime adjustments again it's the same thing over and over um but um before we get into the the specifics of the comeback and go over the stats. We did touch on Daniel Bacho not playing in the second half. Uh, he finished with three rebounds. That was it. Oh, he got an assist as well. Um, no points. Um, he only played 11 minutes in this one. Um, definitely went small for a majority of this game. 
Uh, Kevin O'Banner led Tech. He had 24 points in 42 minutes. Didn't come off the court hardly. He came off the court for three minutes the entire game. Tyson had 11, a majority of those in the second half. Uh, Walton had five. Uh, Harmon had 16. Um, And uh, like I said, you had everyone uh, off the bench having multiple minutes and multiple points. Uh, Robert Jennings had six off the bench. K.J. Allen had a three. Elijah Fisher uh, had three points. Lamar Washington had eight. Uh, Damarian Williams had four. Um, these were these were huge points. All of them. Every single point of it was was huge. Um, and I think the the main person you can point to uh, starting the comeback at least was uh, Jalen Tyson. He had a, he had I think three straight steals. Uh, right around the half court area and that's when um that's when you kind of knew that things were starting to change the momentum was starting to shift a little bit um but before we get to the bad i do want or before we get to the good sorry i do want to touch on the bad just briefly here um read in the first half we saw a lot of the same stuff that's been plaguing tech all season and it's very concerning um you saw Caleb Grill lighted up from three. You saw a lot of offensive rebounds being given up. I know later on all of this changed when they decided to step it up a gear, but that first half, you saw a lot of the same stuff that, like I said, has been plaguing this team all season. Um, What do you think, I mean... If you go small, I guess you can guard that three-point perimeter better. Um, but you know what? What would you say would be some of the um, some of the more easier things to do to get this team back on track in terms of uh, in terms of defensive wise, uh, at least in the in regards to the first half? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you kind of just have to stick with what's working for you right now. Um, I, I think it's evident in the second half when you went small is when we had success. So, uh, I mean, this weekend we're playing a guard-heavy team in, in Baylor. So I think, you know, running a small lineup with O'Banner at the fives probably really not going to kill you that much because uh, they're reliant heavily on the three uh, to begin with. So playing more guards is probably going to be your better option. Uh, we might lose a little bit of height in the, in the three to four spots, but – at the end of the day, if we're able to cause a little more havoc in, in the midcourt area and uh, towards the top of the key with some quicker guys, then uh, that, that might just be what we have to roll with. Um, you know, what's what's kind of interesting to me is with was with Adams is that it seems like he was reluctant to change the way he was playing guys um, until he was kind of forced into it when Bacho went down um, and he had to play O'Banner at the five and go small. Um, you know, I mean, obviously you got. Um, you got KJ and you got uh, and Jennings off the bench, but I don't think he wants to play them, you know, 40 minutes or anything like that, like he did with O'Banner, obviously. So um, I think he's going to have to stick with the plan he's or with the with the with the group he's got off of off of uh, Iowa State. Honestly, I mean, uh, if you see what they can do against them, I would think it's it's going to really hurt you to try it out again because I mean, at this point, you got nothing to lose uh, for the season if you. 
keep continuing to win, you might find a way to sneak into a um, a play-in game or something if you're able to win out or getting a hot streak down the stretch in the Big 12 tournament or something. But, um, I mean, you know, other than that, if you lose, lose a game, what does it really matter to you at the end of the day at this point? So I think you got nothing to lose. You need to use your whole bench uh, as much as you can. You need to just go off what's hot. And obviously in that first half, it was – a completely different story from what we were able to do in the second half. And <clears throat> that first half, we were playing in a similar lineup that we'd uh, gone with with two bigs and kind of playing a slow offense and everything, and it just seemed sluggish. And we're giving up threes on the other end, and it seemed like we were letting the same Achilles heel kill us over over and over again with Caleb Grill getting open. Um, you know, what killed me was watching it and – the very first play out of halftime in the second half, Caleb Grill gets open for a wide open three pointer, um, and even even the announcers on TV had uh, kind of like saying, you know, out of out of halftime, how is that the one guy you leave open on defense? And uh, I was kind of saying word for word the exact same thing they were while they said it. So, um, st- you know, stuff like that, uh, I think you need to look into getting fixed. And um, if if there's one thing plaguing you, make sure you stop that first, and then try and help out in other areas uh, after that. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And um, I think that this team is just so much better in transition that I think we honestly, I mean, at this point going forward, we might be forced to only play with one big at certain times just because of our injury report. And I think that that might honestly suit us better. I think a quick offense and a transition offense does us really well. We play we play it really well. Um, we have a lot of guys that can play in spots two through four in a basketball lineup, and and I think that's we should use it to our advantage. Um, I also think a part of it. I don't know if you agree with this, but um, I think a big part of it is some of these bigs are having a really difficult time doing their switches you know the no middle is a is a switch heavy uh defense and and i and i think that a lot of these uh big guys are having some problems uh keeping track of smaller guys and i also think some of these smaller guys are having a lot of trouble uh keeping track with their big guys like if they're being forced to go down low on the block i think that a lot of these guys aren't comfortable with it just yet uh, mostly because a lot of these guys really haven't played this defense before. Uh, you can talk Kevin O'Banner has, obviously. Uh, Jalen Tyson has, obviously. Um, you know, Bacho and KJ Allen are familiar with it. Um, but really, all the rest of these guys, uh, this is probably a new concept to them. And, you know, learning a whole not just a whole new defensive scheme, but a whole new offensive scheme in the offseason also is a little difficult. And um, I think that some of these smaller guys are still just probably not that comfortable, you know, getting physical down on the block. Uh, We have been lucky in the past couple of years to have rangy guys that could guard, that could stick with guards really well. You know, Bryson Williams was very good at being able to stay on a guard as a big man. Um, I think that 
Um, you know, as much as people hate to hear it right now, I think that Kevin McCuller is very underrated. He's not underrated defensively. Everyone talks about, always talks about how good he is on the defensive end of the floor, but I think one of the parts that makes him so good defensively was how comfortable he was getting physical with big men down on the block when they probably weren't expecting that for someone who is, you know, three to four to five inches smaller than they are. Um, I think it's the same over time with Terrence Shannon. Um, Terrence Shannon got really comfortable playing down low on the block against bigger guys. Um, but, you know, he's he thrives out on the wing. So, like you said, you've had guys in the past um, that were serviceable, um, but and and one of them that really like jumps out to me also uh, that was a really solid guard but could keep him in check down low was Matt Mooney. Matt Mooney was really good at that and he embraced that role really well. Um, and it, to me that that was that was someone who really um, was the perfect like poster child for the no middle. Uh, I think he played that role really well. Um, but anyway, to move on, uh, let's just jump into the good. Uh, second half, uh, like I mentioned, Tech outscores Iowa State 49-32. to However, the big moves really didn't come until about, uh, you know, 12 minutes or so um, into, the, into the half, or with 12 minutes left, I should say. Um, there's a point, 12-37, Caleb Grill made a three, and he pushed it to 59 to 36. Um then you know you go back and forth and there was a point and I want to say that it was about let me see where it is here 9 minutes and 39 seconds. Um it starts with a Jaron Holmes turnover on a Jalen Tyson steal and he goes and makes a layup. Um and on that steal and made layup Jaron Holmes fouled Jalen Tyson um Iowa State called timeout and at that point uh Tyson came back after the timeout made the free throw um then on that same possession uh Taman Lipsy turned it over and Tyson stealed stole it um Lamar Washington got fouled later on, later on in the possession, made the first. Um, then later on, Caleb Grill turnover then Jay, on a Jalen Tyson steal. Um, that was a run out, and Tyson got fouled by Grill. Uh, and at this point, you know, after the free throws, um, it's sixty-one to forty-nine. So you're you're back within sixteen. Um, and like I say, it goes it goes on, it goes back and forth. Um, I I think I put in my and I can't remember what it was. It's from like uh from like twelve thirty seven to three forty left in the game. Tech went on a uh three fifty left in the game. I guess Tech went on a twenty one to five run. Um, crazy stuff. Read watching this game. I think we saw the tech effort and defense hit another gear that I'm not quite sure that we've seen this season. Um, this is definitely a, I mean, 
we were watching. There were times when Iowa State couldn't get it past half court. They were they were weird. Tech was pressing, and they were not dealing with it well. Um, I was looking in a Iowa State, you know, the wide right Natty Light guys who are who are great guys. And uh, we love interacting with them on Twitter and all their stuff. We've never had anything but good interactions with those guys. So um, uh, we love interacting with those guys. Uh, but in all the the comments on their stuff, um, I it's not that they were... I mean, obviously they're upset about losing this game, but um, a lot of the people in their comments were almost more upset at the fact that Tech... Uh, kind of exposed a flaw in their game, uh, and it was something that Missouri did to them very well in the Big 12 SEC Challenge that caused them to lose that game also, and it was the fact that Missouri pressed the entire game, and they had, I think they said that they had five or six turnovers in the backcourt uh, before they even hit half court against Missouri. And it was something, it was a similar number in this one. There was definitely at least three or four times where they turned the ball over before they even hit half court. And um, I can only imagine that Otzelberger is, uh, you know, making sure they know how to break the press before their next game. I don't even know who they play next, but um, I'm sure that, that they'll know how to break a press before then because uh, it's pretty apparent that they couldn't, uh, that they didn't handle the press very well. Um, Reed, I don't remember seeing this defense play like this this year. Um, do you think that they just finally found that extra notch? And do you think that it's sustainable for, for the rest of this season? I mean, do you think that uh, these guys have finally gotten it, it's gotten through to these guys that this is how we're going to have to play for the rest of the year to be successful? Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping they're they're kind of realizing after that comeback that uh, the the amount of work they put in on that side of the floor kind of reaps benefits uh, across the rest of their game. Because um, I mean, obviously, you have those three or four steals from Tyson in a row, and all three or four of those lead to points, uh, and that's that's kind of the key that our programs run off of the last five to six years. Is if you play good on the defensive side of the floor, it's going to help you a lot on the offensive side. Um, and I think some of these guys are starting to finally realize that. Uh, yeah, it's good to see Jalen Tyson kind of lead that defensive effort because um, hadn't been consistently across. But I feel like there's been instances where it seems like he's not uh, fully bought in in terms of effort. Uh, I feel like there was a play against LSU last weekend where he got on a breakaway and just kind of slowed up and was going in for a dunk, it looked like, and the guy caught up to him and fouled him, like stuff like that. You you don't really want to see. You just want to see him start kind of go hard and uh, leave it all on the floor. And I think he made that well known. And I guess Iowa State, because obviously those those three to four uh, possessions in a row is kind of what turned the tides completely for our team to uh, get over that hump and uh, push the game into overtime. So uh, I don't know if it's necessarily sustainable because, I mean, nine in, nine out, we're, we're not going to be able to give up a – a 25 point uh, deficit and come back from it. But uh, I'm hoping it doesn't take that much for our guys to realize they got to wake up a little bit on defense to, uh, in order to try and win some games in the big 12. But um, you know, just whatever works for them is, um, is kind of going to be what gives them that key to try and 
uh, trying some, try and find some more wins down the stretch. And I'm hoping Adams kind of drills into them, you know, like, hey, what you did at this point in time in this game is what is what pushed you over the edge. And if you keep continuing to do that, it's going to give you continued success um, or at least give you a better opportunity for it. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping these guys learned from Iowa State and uh, from LSU too, honestly, because uh, that LSU game, like I said, with, we're talking about Davion Harmon, um, that was that was a game that was starting to slip out of our fingers down the second half, the stretch of the second half, and uh, we, we found a way to stop the bleeding and uh, put the icing on the cake. So uh, hopefully we're, we're finally starting to, you know, kind of put the key – put the pieces together a little bit and realizing what each, what each guy can give you every single night. And, um, again, I'll go back to our two guys or three guys now with Bacho being injured, but um, you know, I think that's provided some guys to get on the floor that necessarily wouldn't have had as many minutes, but uh, you know, guys like Lamar Washington and some others off of the bench, uh, giving you some hustle plays might be what you just needed. And uh, to be quite honest, just kind of give us a little kick in the ass to, try and wake up and put things in gear for the rest of the season. I agree. I think it's really interesting looking at the breakdown of minutes coming off the bench because, uh, you know, we've we've been really high on Lamar Washington in terms of, uh, you know, his, his defensive play and his willingness to get into uh, – to get into the dirty areas uh, when – People don't want to sometimes, and uh, we feel like that had earned him minutes. And um, his minutes, to me personally, uh, you know, have kind of been in kind of the general all over the place area. I, I think that they've been they've been up, they've been down at times. Um, the LSU game, he only got in for seven minutes, but you know, in this one, um, he got in for twenty six. So I think that he's going to see a lot more minutes coming his way if this team just decides to fully embrace the small ball aspect. Um, I think that Robert Jennings, I I truly, I truly, truly think, Reed, that that Robert Jennings is going to have a huge chunk of minutes coming his way. Um, Maybe not against Baylor, um, but, but like I mentioned, you know, Tech has... Tech has games coming up against uh, after Baylor. They're at Oklahoma State. Uh, they're back at home for two against Kansas State and Texas. Um, after that, so three of your next four games are against teams ranked in the top eleven nationally. Um, so I, I really truly think that um, that Jennings is going to have some big minutes coming his way. Not necessarily taking minutes away from KJ Allen, really, but I think that I just think that Jennings is kind of a taller dude than KJ is, so I think he kind of fits that uh, mold better. I, I think that we're definitely going to have to get a bigger body on Caleb Boone. Like I mentioned, he had a hell of a game against Oklahoma last night uh, to beat them in the Bedlam game in Norman. Uh, I was watching that. Um, but like I said, I think that the the distribution of minutes off the bench is going to be something to watch, um, not just against Baylor, but at 
uh, not just at Baylor, but at Oklahoma State as well. I'm really interested to see how Mark Adams is going to take this, uh, take this small ball lineup and kind of make it work. Um, something that worked for Tech in the latter part of the second half and pretty much all five minutes of overtime was driving the lane and getting fouled and going to the line. Um, a lot of Iowa State people were complaining about the refs, and of, the, of course that's um, that's expected. Uh, Tech shot 37 free throws in this game, uh, quite a bit. Um, Iowa State as a team was called for 28 fouls. Uh, that's also quite a bit. Um, but let's not overshadow the fact that Iowa State shot 48% from the field and lost. Uh, I don't know the last time that happened uh, for a team that sh- that shot f- damn near 50% from the field and lost the game. Uh, that's, that's a crazy stat. Um, I also want to give a shout-out to Tech. Uh, the turnovers are down again this game. They only turned the ball over eight times, which is really great. Um, forced Iowa State into 17 turnovers. Uh and I want to say in the final 10 minutes, uh, 13 of those turnovers were in the final 10 minutes of the game, which, uh, again, just speaks to the testament of stepping up that hard-nosed defense. Um, oh, Banner finished with 13 rebounds. Jalen Tyson was a rebound away from a double-double. Um, I just... I was really proud of the way this 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 team stepped up. Um, Reed, we we touched on Damarian Williams earlier. Um, had big minutes in this game too. Had a couple of clutch buckets. Um, Lamar Washington had a couple of buckets, clutch buckets in this one. Um, you touched on Jalen Tyson starting the defensive run. Um, do you think that there is a scenario where it's possible that you have a lineup out there, and again, no no disrespect to Davion Harmon or anything, this is just a hypothetical, or possibly leave Davion Harmon in there, I don't know. Uh, you have Davion Harmon, Lamar Washington, Tyson, O'Banner, and Jennings. Um, that gives you a... That gives you a big, it gives you a lot of dirty, gritty um, defenders out there, and it leaves the guys who are hot right now on the floor. Do you think that that's a possible five that could work for this team uh, in terms of, I guess, having Harmon run the point, uh, Washington also, I mean, obviously alternating with the point, uh, having Tyson and O'Banner, and then having Jennings out there as a big, uh, at least as long as we don't know what the uh, timetable is on AMAC or uh, Bacho. Yeah, I mean, if I'm being completely honest with you, I think any five is going to be, I mean, obviously with limitation, I think any five, uh, any five way you put some of these guys is going to be uh, a plausible lineup you can roll with. Um, personally, I don't think there's going to be a set five. That's, that's really going to get very heavy minutes or very many individuals. that get very heavy minutes minus, um, probably Kevin O'Banner. I I think he's the only one that needs to sniff probably the mid to upper thirties right now. 
Uh, and then Davion Harmon, probably the one to follow um, him and maybe Tyson. But uh, out, outside of really O'Banner and possibly Harmon, I don't think there's a lot of guys that should get very, very heavy minutes. Um, I think there should be a pretty heavy rotation. I think it's it's been evident that if we go harder on defense, we need to have fresher legs out there in, uh, in different times. So I think it's definitely plausible to have that five out there that you mentioned um, and, and play with Jennings down at the five. I think Jennings is going to be able to move a little bit better uh, on some guards rather than uh, Bacho and, and AMAC have been, uh, at least from what I've seen recently. Uh, so I think he'd be uh, a little bit better in that switching uh, that switching stuff we've been doing on defense that we're used to do. Um, so I, I could definitely see him rolling in there with O'Banner or uh, even like I mentioned him playing the five and giving O'Banner a break, uh, him and KJ Allen. So, um, yeah, really honestly, I could I could see any five mixture, however you want to put it, get in to, to play some minutes. Um, obviously that five we closed with against uh, Iowa State looked really good, but, you know, if I'm being honest, I think – you could have switched out two or three different guys and they would have done the same thing for you. I think that, that five just got really hot and there was no reason to take any of them out. They're going to keep playing that way. So uh, I think it's going to be a different five every game that really kind of gets the ball rolling. Um, and, you know, it's going to be up to Adams to kind of rotate the right people at the right times and uh, keep the right people in there when we need to. I think that, I think that that is a huge thing. And, and I like what you said about a different five being the group that gets the ball going. I think that a big part of what has made this season as a whole so disappointing so far was the fact that not just me, not just you, um, not just our pod, but pretty much every tech pod, all the tech fans, uh, you know, they know that there's, and you know what? This team, more than anyone, this coaching staff, more than anyone, you know, they know the talent is there. The talent is there for, you know, almost any set of five, almost any set of five guys um, can belong on this court in the Big 12. Uh, and and I think that that says something, and I think that it says a lot that, um you know, at the time that this game happened, Iowa State was the top team in the Big 12. Um, Tech obviously was last place. We still hadn't won a conference game. Um, I think that there are definitely more wins in the schedule. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to go out on a limb, and I'm not going to say, you know... We're about to go rip off 10 in a row. I'm not, there's, i just not ready. I'm not going to do that. But I will say this. Baylor, I wasn't that impressed. And I think, you know, Reed and I were talking about it before we hopped on tonight. Um, we were talking about Baylor always having the big three guards and always always jacking up threes and uh, you know even having probably the four that they play that likes to shoot the three and in this case it's Jalen Bridges and you know we've seen him at West Virginia and we've seen him in a game in Lubbock as a as a Baylor Bear um, he destroyed us in the first half of that game that we lost to Baylor at home um, 
but I think that this is a, this Baylor team definitely is a team that lives and dies by the three ball. And if they're not hot from three, or if they're not hot from the field in general, like if they're just making, you know, one of every three shots, um, you know, it, it's definitely a winnable ball game for Tech. Um, uh, after that, Oklahoma State is we haven't seen them yet. Um, if they play the way that they played against Oklahoma last night, um, it's definitely going to be a difficult game. Uh, Caleb Boone played really well, really well. It's probably one of the best games I've seen him play at Oklahoma State. Um, he's been there for a few years now. Um, they went into they went into Norman and just willed their way around. They did whatever the hell they wanted, and they won extremely comfortably. Um, Kansas State, you know, Kansas State's been really good. They lost to Kansas the other night, and I know, and uh, all that, but also at the same time, Tech stayed within 10 points of them pretty much the whole game. Uh, Tech was up 8 points with like, what was it, 11 minutes left? So, I mean, Tech was in that game in Manhattan the entire time. So... Tech only lost by two in Austin. And like I said, the, the list goes on and on and on, but it really makes it really gives some positive outlook going forward that this team has possibly found its gel point. And I think a big part of it um, is just reiterating what you said, Reed. I think the only person that needs at least 35 minutes every game is Kevin O'Banner. Um, Kevin O'Banner has played really well the last two games. Um, I think that we really, we had talked about the problem, and I know, I don't know if you remember this, but I when I did a recap, I can't remember which loss it was, I've done so many, um, that I asked what the problem was for Tech. I asked what the legitimate problems that you thought were the issue, and I asked the four I asked the other three guys that we that I do the this podcast with I asked what the problem was for tech why do you think that tech's not winning games and overwhelmingly all three of them came back at the same time there's no leader on this team there's no standout I'm gonna lead this team and you know I'm gonna step up and I think over the last couple games Kevin O'Banner has stepped into that role um it's easy to say also though when Kevin O'Banner is scoring 20 points a game. So, Reed, I know this is going to kind of be an a kind of an off-kilter question in a way. Um, we know Kevin O'Banner can step into that role. We've seen it. Who in your mind is the second man up? We've seen like I said, we've seen Kevin O'Banner step into this role. But Let's say hypothetically on Saturday we're in Waco and Kevin O'Banner scores six. Who who else needs to step up for Tech overwhelmingly to score points to give Tech a chance to win the ball game if Kevin O'Banner has an off game? Uh, I think it's got to be Davion Harmon. Um, he's he's your other super veteran leader uh, on the floor. He's your point guard. Uh, he's supposed to be a guy making everybody else look better. 
Um, if, if he plays a similar game like he did against LSU, uh, I think he got a good shot against Baylor where he's, you know, kind of driving and kicking and getting but- getting guys open uh, for good looks. I think it's going to make it a lot easier on people, um, you know, that normally aren't accustomed to scoring 10-plus to, to do just that. Um, I, I think he's got to be – it seems like he's he's an emotional emotional leader. Um, you know, if he makes a big bucket, he's, he's one to um, – throw some fist pumps and kind of get the crowd hyped up, stuff like that. And uh, I, I think that's evident that he, he can be a vocal guy for us if we need him to be. Um, you know, obviously you'd, you'd like to see him pour in 25. Um, he's not, at least this season, that's not been something he's, uh, you know, normal or super accustomed to doing. But I do think if he kind of gets in his groove and gets into that vibe, he can be a guy that can can push that. Uh, that 25 range in the, in the point category. Uh, if you need him to be, obviously he's not a huge three-point shooter, but uh, he's pretty lethal from mid-range, and he doesn't mind getting to the getting in the lane and trying to draw some fouls and getting to the free throw line. So um, I, I think if he's able to stay in, um, stay out of foul trouble and kind of you know get the game going at his speed, he he can definitely be a huge help for us. I have one more quick question before we jump into uh, the Baylor preview. We are, I guess, accustomed and I guess expecting a Pop Isaac's return, you know, sometime soon. He was on a scooter, uh, you know, for the Iowa State game. Uh, not putting any pressure on that ankle, understandable, injured against West Virginia, so he hasn't played the last two games. Um, what do you, do you think that there's going to be, I mean, obviously there will be a little bit of a curve, I guess, getting him back. He's probably going to be on a minutes restriction. Um, do you think there's going to be any trouble putting him back in the lineup and being able to, you know, continue to function at this high pace coming off an injury for him. Do you think he's going to be able to play that tough defense? Do you think he's going to be able to, uh, you know, come out and be his normal self hitting the deep threes that we're accustomed to seeing? Yeah, I mean, I would I would like to think so. I, th- I think if we're having success without him, uh, the, the staff's definitely not going to rush to put him back in and risk any further injury or anything, so... Uh, if he's not 100%, I, I don't expect him to be on the floor at all. Um, that's the same thing with AMAC. If, um, I'm, I'm hoping that's not the case with AMAC to begin with. I'm hoping he wouldn't kind of push along a little too early, and that's why he ended up uh, getting re-injured. Uh, I have no idea if that's the case or not. It's 100% speculation. But um, I'm, I'm hoping that they leave him out unless we uh, absolutely need him. But if, if we're able to run – um, you know, these guys that we've got to our disposal at a, at a good pace without them. And, uh, again, I don't think there's any reason to shove them back in there. Um, but at, at that time does come where he is fully healthy and can get back in. Um, I, I can't imagine it being a huge issue. Um, obviously we've played some different style of basketball since he's been hurt. Uh, but I mean, if you think about it, that was only, it's only been a week since he got hurt. So week and a half, whatever it is. So. Um, we're, we're still we're still the same team. We've we've got some different lineups that we've put out there, and we've had some more success recently. But 
Um, I still think it's kind of a plug and chug thing. You probably put Kerwin Walton back on the bench, put Pop back in the starting lineup once he's fully healthy and uh, gets back accustomed to it. But uh, I think he probably dip his minutes a little bit. Uh, I think it's evident some guys off the bench deserve to play some some more minutes for sure. So I don't think there's any reason to be playing Pop Isaacs, you know, with 33 minutes a night unless he's just super hot from three point range or something. So. Um, yeah, I think that'd be the only, really the only thing I'd change because his intensity and decision-making for the most part has been pretty good all year. So I wouldn't see any reason to, to not play him any, um, you know, considerably less than you have all year. Yeah, I agree. Um, let's jump into Baylor. Um, and I want to talk about basically not just keys to the game, but um ways that tech can improve on their performance uh from the last time that they played Baylor um last time Baylor won uh 81 to 74 in Lubbock um this was a very interesting uh game in terms of um in terms of sp- Stats wise, um, they really didn't get any production from anyone other than um, Bridges, uh, Keontae George, and LJ Cryer. Um, Flagler had nine, but it comes when it comes to Baylor. Uh, you know, Reed, you and I were talking about this before. Uh, you always anticipate the big three and guards. Uh, they have it again. They have it in Flagler, Cryer, and uh, George. Um, Keontae George had 27. Cryer had 18. Um, Jalen Bridges had, uh, I guess, a redemption game against Tech for some reason. Uh, but he had 14. I think he had 12 of them in the first half. Um, but Tech gave up 48 points in the first half. And um, I think... And Baylor was hot from the field. Uh, don't get me wrong; they shot forty-eight percent from the field. Uh, they shot thirty-eight percent from three. Uh, Keontae George had was five of eleven from three. Um, the only thing that was even more puzzling was the fact that Tech was hotter from the field. Tech was Tech shot fifty-one percent from the field. Um, they were thirty-nine percent from three. Um, they had four starters in double digits in this one. Um, it was really crazy to kind of see Kerwin Walton off the bench had 12 even. So you had five guys for Tech in double digits in this one. Um, it was a really good offensive performance. But again, you got into the point where um, your defense had been lacking. Um, run down the run down the stats from this la- from the last time. Uh IMAC had uh, 12, O'Banner had 10, Pop had 14, Tyson had 19, Davon Harmon had 4, but he was only 2 of 4 from the field. He didn't overshoot. Uh, Walton was 4 of 6 from deep. He had 12. Uh, So, Bacho had 22 minutes off the bench. Walton had 23 minutes off the bench. Other than that, Washington had 4, Damarian Williams had 4. Um, KJ Allen had like 30 seconds. Um, 
I think a big thing in this one that you can expect that you didn't see in the first Baylor game has been the key to success. And, you know, Reed, we're going to beat the drum or beat the dead horse on this. But it's the fact that you've seen a lot of subs come in off the bench. You're getting these starters some rest. And it's the fact that as of the last two games, the bench guys have really contributed. They've actually put in a good effort. You know, their their stats have been good. Uh, they put up positive points. And if they're not putting up points, they're getting rebounds, assists, steals, um, forcing turnovers. Uh, I think that... Obviously, this is going to be a very different lineup. Uh, the the obviously with Fardaz and Pop out, so I mean you're probably going to see. And if Bacho's hurt, I mean God, you're probably going to have O'Banner at the five, like we mentioned, and then uh, I mean you're probably going to start Walton and uh, probably Washington. Maybe I don't know. We'll see. But um, I think that. Um, I think that Baylor is probably a very good team uh, to expose a uh, smaller lineup against. Uh, Jalen Bridges and Flo Thamba, Flo Thamba are pretty much all they got. Um, in this one, Jalen Bridges, like I mentioned, had 14, but 12 of them were in the first half. Um, Flo Thamba only had two points, and they were both on free throws. Um, only had two rebounds. Um, they had a guy coming off the bench, uh, Gianna Wuna, and he had six points, uh, six rebounds, but he had three personal fouls. Um, in this one, Baylor, Baylor did get, uh, in a, in a lot of foul trouble early. And so they played pretty conservative. Uh, Tech had 40 points in the first half and 34 in the second, um, so like I mentioned, there's definitely some uh, some positives from this. I think the one negative from this game, uh, obviously other than the defense, uh, it kind of plays into that a little bit, is that you only forced Baylor into three turnovers in that game in Lubbock. They only turned the ball over three times, uh, which is kind of hard to believe, but it's the truth. Um, Tech turned it over nine times, pretty good. Uh, single digits is where you want to live. Uh, Tech's been living right around that uh, that eight to ten range the past couple of games, and it's resulted in wins. Um, but Reed, uh, I want to talk to you about um, just how do you, like do you agree? Do you think that this uh, do you think that this smaller lineup uh, can thrive against this Baylor team? Because really, you know, in the past they've had some dominant bigs. Uh, Baylor has, but I, I just really don't see it this year. Yeah, I, I definitely do. I think our, our small lineup would match up pretty well with them. Uh, we might lose a little height and uh, that Jalen Bridges uh, four gap, uh, and maybe he goes small, he'd probably put Tyson on him, but um, even then, I, I don't think you're losing a ton in that department. Um, I, I think with how heavily they rely on their guards to score the ball, uh, us going small is not not going to be an issue, in my opinion. Um, I think the one thing that's key, uh, really, is is to play hectic on defense and um, stay on the three point line. I mean, that's that's where they make their living. Keontae George is, I mean, he'll he'll pull the trigger right after he steps past half court. Him and Flagler and Cryer both uh, will do the same thing too. So um, it, it's really going to depend on. I mean, no matter how many we score. 
need to make sure we're able to stop them on the three-point line because um, you, you're talking about our field goal percentage against Baylor the first time. I, I think that was one of, if not the, the best offensive game we've played all year from a statistical standpoint, and we, we still lost by you know seven or eight points. So um, if, if you're not able to stop them on the defensive end, it doesn't really matter how many points you score. So um, I, I think it goes back to the Iowa State game, and it shows if, if you put in the work on the defensive end, um, which I think we can with the small ball lineup and O'Banner is able to get some, some body on a, on a, a Thamba down low. Uh, I think that'll help us get some more rebounds. And, you know, I think, I think O'Banner gives up a few inches on Thamba, but if I'm being honest, O'Banner probably has more weight than Thamba does. So he might be able to push him around a little bit down there um, and, and get some rebounds and stuff. So um, I, I definitely don't think the small ball lineup is going to be an issue. I think this is probably one of the better matchups we could have with a small ball lineup is uh, is against Baylor. Yeah, I agree. Um, I want to touch on one thing before we sign off. Um, I don't really normally do this in during basketball, especially this season, just because of the way things have gone. Um but I kind of want to, I kind of want to get a prediction from you. Not really a prediction, but kind of like a gauge on um, where you think Tech is at this point. And it's after two straight wins. Um, ironically enough, looking back on um, on everything, uh, Tech and Oklahoma State, I believe. Uh, Tech, Oklahoma State, and Kansas. I'm sorry, have the long are tied for the longest. Um, winning streaks right now in the big 12 which is which is pretty funny at this current point in time um obviously tech plays at noon on cbs against baylor um do you i mean we're we're known on here for being pretty realistic pretty straightforward do you i mean do you think that tech has a legitimate shot in this one in waco yeah i mean i I do think we have a legitimate shot um, don't get me wrong, Baylor is a very good team and they're number 11, 12, whatever they are in the nation for a reason. But, um, again, I, I think they live and die by the three. That's, that's what they've been known for the last few years. Their guards have been really good. Uh, there's no nine that when they won the national championship, they had, you know, three or four guards. I mean, Flagler came off the bench when they won the national championship, uh, if that says anything. And he was he could still put up 20 on you off the bench. So uh, they had three guys ahead of him that were uh, at that time better than he was. So I think that just goes to show what kind of guys that they've got on the floor to, to put out there against you. But um, that, that doesn't go to show they can't be beat. They just lost to Texas. Um, Texas is a very good team. Obviously, they're leading the Big 12 right now. So um, I would kind of take a, take a look at that script and you know see how they played against guys like Keontae George and find a way to kind of kill their engine a little bit, which is the three-point shot. So, um, And I think it's definitely been an Achilles heel for us uh, with our defense in the past is um, not being able to guard a three-point line good enough. But it goes back to that small ball lineup. If you got more guards and you got more speed out there, I think it's going to be easier to do switches and uh, force them to go down low and uh, take mid-range stuff more often than the three-point shot. So um, it's definitely doable. Will we be able to Complete a three-game win streak is uh, yet to be seen, but uh, obviously if we can win this one, that'll be uh, very big for the program and um, would be another stepping stone in the right direction. 
I agree. Uh, tech goes. Um, we're in the middle of a pretty daunting part of our schedule right now. Four out of five games against teams ranked in the top 15 in the country. Uh, we got the win on Monday against Iowa State, uh, number 13. Uh, play number 11, Baylor, this Saturday. Then we're at Oklahoma State for the only unranked portion. Then we're back at home on the 11th, which I think is a Tuesday, against uh, against Kansas State, and then uh, at home against Texas on the 13th. So, or that might be a Wednesday. The 11th might be a Wednesday. Um, but... Uh, we're in the thick of it, you know. We're in the thick of the Big 12. Uh, the first half did not go our way, so to speak. And uh, now that we're done with Iowa State, uh, after Saturday we'll be done with Baylor. And, uh, you know, we'll we'll figure it out. Uh, by the way, I, I do want to add in, I was way off on all that. Um, Kansas State is a Saturday game. Um Oklahoma State is a Wednesday, and Texas is a uh, Monday game in Lubbock. Um, so, like I mentioned, 7, Kansas State, 10, Texas, 11, Baylor. Uh, you know, Texas in the thick of it. So, uh, we're going to jump into that. We're going to keep uh, keep the head up looking forward. Um, we want to thank everyone for tuning in tonight. Uh, it's been uh, me, Jack, along with Reed. Um, like I mentioned earlier at the beginning, next week I believe we are slated to have all four of us back. Uh, we're missing Macon and Kendall tonight. Um, we we'll hope to hear from those guys soon. But uh, from now on, uh, for the rest of this week, uh, you can be checking the website, Viva the Matadors. Uh, all of us have some pretty good articles we've been kicking up uh, the drive. I'm getting into high gear as well. Um, baseball season starts in about two weeks. Uh, actually, two weeks from tomorrow is we're recording this on the 2nd. So, um, two weeks from tomorrow, uh, Tech Baseball starts against Gonzaga in Lubbock. So, um, I'm about to get into high gear for baseball myself. Um, I'll still be I'll still be contributing on the basketball front, uh, just not as heavily because I'll be uh, fully into the baseball season. But... Um, like I mentioned, Kendall and Macon will be back next week. Uh, we'll have a full squad and we'll get a full solid pod in, uh, probably some extended pod because we'll be at the point of preview for, uh, baseball. But again, uh, we want to thank y'all for tuning in, uh, and we will be back soon, but until then, uh, keep your guns up and wreck them.